was the managing editor, essentially, for Today.com. And one day, the president of the company was in from Seattle and sitting in my office and asking me questions. And I was telling him about the business. And he looked at my whiteboard and there was like some kind of like ecosystem I had drawn. And he just paused and he was like, you're not the managing editor. You're the general manager. (laughs) (laughs) What? I didn't apply for the job. Welcome to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores exceptional career success stories, inspiring and insightful personal brand journeys that answer the question, are you coffee or are you Starbucks? Fascinating conversations with leaders about their career breakthroughs from entertainment, tech, media, and more. You'll learn how they've turned up the volume on their brand to unlock success. First-hand, uncensored, and real, as told by people who've been there and plenty of inspiration and practical tools to help you lead with your brand every day as you drive towards your next career breakthrough. And now, here's your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Hey everybody, Jason Patria here, and you are listening to the Lead With Your Brand podcast, which is the podcast for folks just like you who are looking to turn up the volume, show your value, and lead with your brand to your next career breakthrough. Well, we are in the thick of it and the heat of summer. We have an amazing show for you today. I have one of my old buddies, Jen Brown, the SVP of Programming and Content Strategy, Global Digital News and Streaming at the BBC Studios. But before we get to Jen, I want to talk a little bit about your mission and your brand. You know, this past week, I was sizzling it up because I was in Atlanta, Georgia with the American Red Cross. Now, many of you know that for the past five years, I've been proud to serve on the American Red Cross's National Diversity Advisory Council. And we are a group of volunteers that have external expertise that come together to really consult and advise CEO Gail McGovern, the Chief Diversity Officer Adrian Alberts, and the Board of Governors at the American Red Cross to make sure that they are delivering their mission in a way that is equitable and inclusive. Well, in the past couple of months, I was honored to be asked to chair the council for the next year. And of course, I said yes, because I'm passionate about advocacy and creating an equitable and inclusive environment. So this was my first meeting as the chair, and our chief diversity officer, Adrian Alberts, she really wanted us to go on the road and really roll up our sleeves and meet folks that are delivering on the mission of the Red Cross. So we went to Atlanta, Georgia, which of course is this ridiculously diverse community, in addition to having tremendous population growth and really reflecting what the new and changing demographics of America are. So when I was there, we had this amazing opportunity to meet with Red Crossers and meet with folks from the Martin Luther King Center for Nonviolence. And it really struck me 
how important mission is, right? At the Red Cross, the mission is quite simply to prevent and alleviate human suffering in the face of emergencies by mobilizing the power of volunteers and the generosity of donors. Now, of course, every time I work with the Red Cross, I see that, you know, in offices, it's printed on things, it's on their website. But the real value of having a mission is that folks are truly aligned to it. Now, I had this amazing opportunity where we took the group behind the scenes. We went to one of the country's largest blood processing centers for the American Red Cross. And I wasn't exactly sure what I was going to see, but I was blown away because it was literally a factory where blood donations were coming in and then hundreds of employees and scientists were processing that blood, filtering it for platelets and white blood cells and all of these life-saving things. I was blown away because like one donation enables there to be multiple products that help people who are in need in hospitals. But what really stood out to me was when I talked to people, when I talked to employees, and some of those folks had actually worked there for over 25 years, Every single one of them said they work here because it's their life's mission to help people and their personal belief system and their mission matches with the mission of the American Red Cross. And it dawned on me, wow, that is so much about what we talk about in the lead with your brand system. When we're talking about your brand foundation, it is those declarative statements that set you apart, that show how you are. Are unique. Now, I always ask people, you know what, what is your core belief? What's that belief that then drives your core promise, which is really your life's mission? So here's a little bit of homework for you. What is your core belief and how does that drive your mission of being, whether you're at work, whether you're with your family, whether it's in the stuff that you do in your community because you're passionate about making those things happen. So when I reflect back, I always know that my core belief is that everyone has the right to be the best version of themselves. And I've believed that ever since I was a kid, right? I've always been someone that wanted to stand up for the underdog. I was always someone that was making sure that I was fighting to bring my unique self to the table, even when I was being bullied as a kid or people called me names and those types of things in high school. And then I remember in some of my early job experiences, having some moments where people were very much about advocating that I shouldn't be who I am and that I shouldn't be out and that I should try and be something that I was not. And that's really driven me with a mission to make sure that everyone can find their true brand voice and bring their best authentic self to the table. Now, obviously, the way that I've phrased that has evolved over time, but that is really that string that I have seen throughout all of my work, whether it was my 25 years working in Hollywood, helping to make people the best through training and executive development, to the work that I do now as a keynote speaker 
speaker and a podcaster and someone that still works with big corporations to help drive inclusion and accelerate their employees to be the best that they can be. So what is your core belief? What is that mission that puts you here on earth that shows up in the things that you do? That is the core of your brand DNA because that's what drives your brand forward. That's what enables you to have not only your why, but your unique value proposition. Now, I was honored to meet with the King Center when we were in Atlanta, Georgia with the American Red Cross, and I felt blessed because Dr. Bernice A. King came and spoke to us. Now, if the name sounds familiar, it is no surprise she is the daughter of Coretta Scott and Dr. Martin Luther King, and she was so open and shared about her life's passion to carry the torch for what her parents had done and really build build nonviolence into a mindset and way of thinking, not just in civil rights, but in the workplace and in the way that we live. Now, what really stood out to me from my conversation with Dr. Bernice King was that she said, if your mission can be fulfilled in your lifetime, then it's probably not a big enough mission. And I sat back and thought, wow, what a profound thought. If your mission can be achieved in your lifetime, maybe it's not a big enough mission. And so when I step back and reflect on my own mission, I don't know that that will be solved for everyone in my lifetime. In fact, I'm pretty sure that it won't, but it's something that inspires me to keep doing my work. So as you think about your mission, remember that mission isn't about getting that next job or getting that next promotion or even something that's going to happen in the next couple of years in your own personal and family life. No, no, no. I want you to think big picture. What is that core promise and that core belief that can drive your brand forward regardless of the work that you are doing? Well, I am super excited about today's show. I have my old buddy, Jen Brown, who is the SVP of Programming and Content Strategy, Global Digital News and Streaming at the BBC Studios. Now, Jen is responsible for the content strategy for BBC Studios Digital News and Factual Platforms outside of the UK as the company is doubling down to meet the increasing demand for its content in North America and around the world. Now, Jen is a 16-year veteran of NBC Universal. That's back where I met her when I was running the Talent Lab and Executive Development. And previously, she was the Senior Vice President of Program Planning and Content Partnerships, where she led planning across news, sports, TV, film, and fast channels. Now, when she was at Peacock, she won an Emmy for the coverage of the 2020 Tokyo Olympics. Now, earlier in her career, Jen was the SVP of Strategic Initiatives at NBC Universal Digital Enterprises, a team that was tasked with accelerating digital growth across the company and overseeing the company's digital investments. Now, Jen started her career at NBC News, where she led the digital transformation of the Today Show as its general manager and developed the role of SVP Strategic Content, which brought together brand, content, and commercial programs 
programming for the NBC News Group. Now, Jen is currently an advisor and an investor with Digital Onboarding, a CRM platform for banks and credit unions. And previously, she served as an advisory for Evelis, a performance beauty company, and Tiny Beans, a digital journal for parents and families. We'll be back in just a few moments with Jen Brown. For over 25 years, Jason has coached, trained, and developed thousands of leaders and executives, helping them achieve their next career breakthrough. He's a featured speaker at global conferences and companies to help everyone bring their best authentic self to work, show their value, and lead with their brand every day. Get more tips and tools at leadwithyourbrand.com. And we are back. I have a fabulous guest today. It is my old bud, Jen Brown, the SVP of Programming and Content for Global Digital News and Streaming at the BBC Studios. Jen, what is going on? Everything is going on, Jason. I'm so happy to be here to talk to you about it. Ooh, I am so thrilled to see you. So let's dive right in, Jen, because I haven't talked to you in so long. But I know that you are a big networker. You were just talking about networking here. When you are networking with folks, how do you introduce yourself so that they know who you are and what it is that you do? It's such a complicated question because I don't <laughs> think I've been able to subscribe to describe my job since I was a reporter with a byline at a newspaper. <laughs> my mom could put them out. Um, but currently, I'm the SVP of Programming and Content Strategy at the BBC. Um, and what that means is that we're bringing the best of the BBC news and factual content to ex-UK markets and really figuring out what the need is starting in North America and then around the world for BBC journalism and factual storytelling. Ooh, I love that. And now you've been in the digital space. I feel like you're, you know, you're OG digital <laughs> when I when I think of all of the great digital people that I've known um, o- over my career. So tell me, how did you even get into this digital space plus kind of the intersection of, of journalism and digital? So it's a funny, unglamorous story, Jason. <laughs> 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 Uh, so while I was at grad school at Columbia, I walked into a bar and met my husband. (laughs) (laughs) And that doesn't sound like how I got into digital journalism, but it was because I had a job right out of grad school in Atlanta at the Atlanta journal constitution. And I decided to take a bet on this bar owner, um, and stay in New York city. And then Sri Srinivasan from Columbia university got me a job in digital at ABC news, which was not what I was planning to do. I actually cried the first day at work because it was what? so different. I did. I was like, what? I'm not out there. I'm not talking to people. I'm not writing. And then thank goodness that I got that job because this is where the future of media has gone. And I just instantly, you know, not instantly, maybe 72 hours later, fell in love with data and audience and really taking these brands and figuring out what they mean on different platforms. So it was definitely a little bit of luck and timing, but thank goodness that I did follow the newspaper path. (laughs) So so love saved you from the implosion of local print media, right? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) 
So, so talk to me. So many things have changed in digital, but especially in digital journalism. I mean, when we just look at the the landscape, I mean, all of these sort of trusted players and hometown paper, all of these things like almost don't exist anymore, right? So when you think about your career leading up to where, where you are now at the BBC, what have been some of those kind of big career breakthrough moments that helped you level up to a place to be not only uh, an executive, but really kind of an expert in the space? I got super lucky early in my career. Um, I was I joined uh, NBC Universal in as part of the joint venture between Microsoft and NBC News. So I <laughs> thought I was signing up for like a three hundred person company, and that's like huge Um But I, I started in the editorial side, and I was I was the managing editor essentially for Today.com. And one day the president of the company was in from Seattle and sitting in my office and asking me questions. And I was telling him about the business and he looked at my whiteboard and there was like some kind of like ecosystem I had drawn. And he just paused and he was like, you're not the managing editor. You're the general manager. <laughs> <laughs> what? I didn't apply for the job. I didn't, I just was naturally following my interests and I love connecting dots, which is funny given my background of connected dots constellations that you can't see on the podcast. Uh, but he really just recognized this and saw leadership potential in me. And I consider myself so lucky that Charlie Hill- Tillenhast um, made this happen for me and then really invested in me as a young leader and showed me what leadership looked like gave me mentors and sponsors and the entire executive team of msnbc.com really invested in my success early in my career. And I'm incredibly grateful for that. Wow. I mean, that's just like an amazing story, right? It's like you have someone (laughs) sitting here in like your workspace asking you questions. And then the next thing you know, that's like a career opportunity. (laughs) But, and funny enough, whiteboards have played a really huge role in my development. (laughs) (laughs) the whiteboard method (laughs) yes exactly and and what have been some of the other career breakthroughs for you jen i think it's it's funny the whiteboard is interesting and actually involves a colleague that we both know um when i had moved into so I, i went from an editorial role to working in a role that was more about the intersection of brand and audience and content yeah um which i love like i love content. I love storytelling, but I also love the business of the content and helping to um, commercialize that in a way that helps build um, more journalism and more mission and more storytelling. Um, so I had moved into a role under Deborah Turness, who I yeah. reunited with at the BBC. Exactly. Um, and I was working for her in a strategic content role across the NBC News Group. And our friend Rebecca Romano walked into my office and saw all the crazy drawings I had (laughs) on the wall. Um, And she said, do you know Maggie Senowick? And Maggie Senowick at the time was leading Symphony, which is at NBC Universal, our approach to elevating priorities by using the whole footprint of the portfolio. And I had not met Maggie, um, but she's like, you are definitely kindred spirits with her. I see how you're a connector. She's the connector. She introduced us. And then when Maggie um, became president of Digital Enterprises, I emailed her immediately. I said, (laughs) I don't know what this job is, but I love you. And I think it's what I want to do. Do you have any role for me? And she essentially, again, got so lucky that she was like, I get you. I get what you do. And I'm going to make a role for you in my org, which was my first step out of news, which was really exciting. 
Wow. I mean, that's like, that's insane. So the lesson is everyone who's listening, you better get that whiteboard and you better put some cool stuff on it because it can be that's a calling card. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? Like, take the call, invite people to your office, like have that coffee, you know, because you never know when your next opportunity is going to pop up. Yeah. And now talk to me a little bit about this shift that you had from really purely being on that editorial side, right? And you went to J school. So, you know, love, love my fabulous sister is a a Columbia J school (laughs) grad, grad, grad too. But I know for many journalists, right, there's, there's kind of this hard line between like, there's the business and the commercial side. And then we are on sort of the editorial storytelling side. So for you, you said that you love of both, how have you kind of straddled those things to find great opportunity? I really believe I'm a big believer and a big advocate of creating content that's built to buy. So mm. I think by putting the audience first, revenue follows. And I think that's been something that has been a bit of a shift over the years. Um, yeah. It's something that's a little bit more obvious now, but back in 2005, 2006, 2000, like that was a different kind of philosophy. It was what do the sponsors want and then building it for them. And then once you get it, that works when you're on a linear network, right. And you like program the segment, the billboard runs like success. It just happened. And therefore it's successful in digital. You have to show results. <laughs> so if you're creating content, <laughs> cause you can measure those things, um, you know, which was always very interesting being in the digital. I've always been in digital, but working within legacy media companies. And it yeah. almost like blows my mind when I look at my linear colleagues and I'm like, how do you function with this lack of data? <laughs> it's like, oh, the, the anchor liked it. It was good. You're like, but did anyone else watch it? Um, they didn't watch it online. Uh, so I think what's really important in the digital space is making sure that you're building things that are right for the audience, right for the brand. And if we think we can commercialize it, that's great. But that's really the secondary metric. Um, but I, I think going the other way, you're going to end up with content and programming that doesn't work for anyone, even though it sounds good in initial RFP response. Yeah. Yeah. And and talk to me a little bit. I know uh, one of the last things you did at NBC Universal was working on sort of the launch of Peacock, right? A whole streaming service. Talk about going from an old linear company to having some something new. Tell us a little bit about that experience. That was incredible. So I moved to this digital enterprises world under the fabulous Maggie Senowick. Um, yes, who we love, we were- love, love. Hey, Maggie. <laughs> love Maggie. We need you on the show, Maggie. Future guest. Um definitely um, have her here. And um, that was really trying to figure out how do we look at our digital businesses across a portfolio so that they're mm. not working in silos. And in many ways that became the predecessor for Peacock, which was bringing the best of NBC Universal in one place for the consumer. Yeah. Um, that was in another example of where I was actually working on the symphony launch of Peacock. So I was somehow ended up in marketing for a second. <laughs> <laughs> And I went to Rick Cordella, who was our head of programming at the time. And I said, you need content symphony. Like you need it. You're doing this for marketing, but you need somebody who's really looking at the content from across the portfolio um, and, and bringing it together in a way that makes the most sense, not for the individual businesses, but for the consumer who's getting the end product. And I kind of pitched this to Rick and then he kind of went away and I thought he'd forgotten about it. And one day he calls me on a Friday afternoon and he's like, yep, you're going to do this job. <laughs> and I was like, great. <laughs> like, that's exciting. Um, and I didn't totally know what it was, but it was such an inc- 
incredible opportunity to work on news and sport, which I had a background in, but also then learn all these things that actually your talent lab had first introduced me to, but really understanding entertainment and film and TV and was just so exciting to be able to almost combine all of my human passions to be able to watch the Today Show in the morning and then actually get paid to watch Bravo and Housewives at night was just (laughs) a dream come true. And of course, I mean, you you ended up winning an Emmy for the coverage of the 2020 Tokyo Olympics. What was that like? That was really fun. And, you know, everything about Peacock was a challenge and interesting. You know, we launched during the pandemic. <laughs> we all got <laughs> I know, perfect home. timing, right? <laughs> we got sent home in the middle of the launch. The Tokyo Olympics that were supposed to be our big launch moment didn't happen for a year. Um, there were lots of deals that we had in place that um, kind of restricted what we could do on Peacock, um, but we got super creative and we figured out what worked. And one of the things that's great about Peacock and NBC Universal is that it's it's part of a larger ecosystem. So to be able to play in a space where you have primetime coverage on linear things happening in social, but like a really focused experience for super fans on Peacock. Um, the Peacock's Olympic experience is really what I think the whole experience should be. Like it, it, it's in a way better than a linear experience because it brings, it, it gives you so much optionality Yeah, and you can have like any sport you want. And then you could have Snoop Dogg and Kevin Hart telling you about like <laughs> Olympic highlights, which is like one of our most fun projects for that. Um, but it really allows you to cross a lot of genres and do some interesting, really fun, innovative things. Yeah. And so, so Jen, I have to ask you because it's like you, you have this, uh, this pattern of like creating a job for yourself. So talk to me when you were looking across and you were like, oh, we need this like symphony role that brings content together and not just marketing. How did you actually go and pitch that? I literally walked into Rick Cordell's office and said, you need this. (laughs) (laughs) I think what's, what's, so interesting about being able to do that is you really have to know the business to see the Mm. need and you have to be able to speak. um, And and the reason, one of the reasons why I was able to make that job for myself is because for years and years, I was at NBC Universal for 16 years in total, which is crazy because I feel like I'm still 22. (laughs) (laughs) Like the digital kid in the corner. Uh, But I had just naturally, I love talking to people. I love listening to people. I love, you know, the talent lab, which is like this great program that you ran um, that was bringing people together from all different parts of the company. I could not have gotten that job if not for the talent lab, if not for being introduced to the people who are doing this and then like following up, like not just letting it end at the end of the program. Um, so I think one of the things that Rick saw when I was bringing this is that I actually knew so many people in the company, um, who knew that I wasn't necessarily in it for myself and that I respected what they did, but they would take my call, right? (laughs) Like they would actually answer. And I don't think that a ton of people had exposure to that many different parts of the business. Yeah. And I, and I love that. That was my favorite thing about the NBC Universal Talent Lab, right? Which for our listeners was really uh, the, a sexy name for a, a corporate <laughs> university, right? But I think it's a, a great 
sort of takeaway that you get these opportunities, especially when you work for big corporations, right? To like come and meet other people from the company. But I love that you really said it was like, you need to build the relationship there, but then you need to keep it up because relationships are like currency, right? A hundred percent. And there's, there's people who are much better at that than me. I was just thinking about this week. I've gotten um, several emails from colleagues I've worked for in the past. They're a bit younger, but they're so good about like, I feel like they've got something in their calendar. That's like every quarter I need to email (laughs) these three people. And that's super smart. (laughs) That's something that I need to get better at for sure. Right. Feeding those relationships. Although um, having multiple jobs created for you because of your network sounds (laughs) like you're doing it pretty well. Um, Jen, talk to me a little bit about what's exciting and happening at the, the BBC and what brought you to the BBC. I'm so excited to go there, uh, to be here. And I think it was a big deal for me to leave NBC Universal. Like 16 years is a long time. Exactly. Um, And it's it's very comfortable. Um, So I was really looking for the right opportunity. I was right, you know, my passion had been bringing the best of NBC Universal together. And we did it. (laughs) It actually (laughs) happened in Peacock. Um, There were definitely more higher level people responsible for it, but it was so fun to play a part in that. Yeah. Um, so I was ready for something new and BBC, um, the opportunity came along and I just thought it was so interesting that it's this hundred year old brand yeah. that is the most trusted brand in news. It has played such a critical role in the evolution of media to the world over the years. Um, I read a very thick book about the BBC over the summer and was reading about <laughs> the radio and all those like first initial tests. Um, so I love the brand. I th- thought it was under leveraged in the U S mm. um, it's a great brand that hasn't necessarily seen its total value um, just yet. And I really loved the idea of a mission driven company and helping to um, build commercial opportunities around an area that would really go back to serve journalism. Mm. And I really, I just, Felt that the world, we're at a point where the world needs the, an organiz, or, organization like the BBC now more than ever. Yeah. Um, so I love that mission part of it. And I also, um, she actually did not have anything to do with my recruitment. But once I knew Deborah was <laughs> Deborah Turness was starting, <laughs> and I was like, oh my goodness, like there's change agents going to this organization. Something really exciting is going to happen there. And I'd love to be a part of it. Yeah. So I love that you you also have this way of kind of spotting great people in your network and where they're going and where you can where you can add value. So Jen, you talked a little bit about the mission is inspiring to you. What what is the mission and then what what part of that really drew you there? So the mission of the BBC overall is to act in the public interest, serving all audiences through the provision of impartial, high quality, and distinctive output and services which inform, educate, and entertain. Yes, I am reading that on my wall because I think it's so important. Um, but I'm but loving you have it on your wall, right? Like I it's it it's so wall. core to what you do every every day at the BBC that you have it on your wall. It's so important. I have my KPIs on my wall. <laughs> I like to do this on my wall. Um, but I just and in terms of the journalism, it is it's really impartial. We have um, bureaus in 73 different countries. You know, coming from NBC, how unusual that is. Yeah. Um, and they they have this really interesting... They're so committed to impartiality. They're so committed to 
climate change and sustainability. They're so com- committed to um, diversity and inclusion in ways that is so authentic that I just don't see other organizations necessarily living those words in the yeah. same way. And I think because of the way they're funded, so because of the um, license fee that the taxpayers pay in the UK, they have such an interesting model that they yeah. can do the kinds of journalism that other fully private companies can't do. Mm. Like we say no to money if we feel like it impacts our impartiality or even if it doesn't, the perception of our impartiality. And there's so few organizations that can do that, that I love being that second part of the revenue stream that's earning money with people who don't pay the license fee. So therefore they should watch our ads and, and support, support the journalism. And it all goes right back to that mission, which is so exciting. Oh, that's awesome. Now we've been talking about great brands like BBC and the Today Show and ABC News and Peacock. Let's talk about your brand. So give me three words that you would use to describe Mm. brand Jen Brown. It's so funny you ask that because as somebody who uh, thinks about brand a lot, I've never thought about a personal <laughs> brand. Um, but I thought you might ask me this question. So I hope what my personal brand is, is um, curious, mm. kind, um, which is not it, also tough, but kind. And then a really healthy dose of GSD, which is getting stuff done, <laughs> which are my words to live by. <laughs> So I love that. Curious, tough but kind, and GSD. So so talk talk to me about how those three things kind of make you uniquely you. Let's actually talk about the tough but kind. How do those how does that show up for you? Because those feel like, you know, different things. Kindness to me is I kindness wins. Kindness is so important to me. Actually, Deborah and I did a whole uh program at NBC News called Share Kindness, where we activated the whole NBC Universal portfolio around this idea of kindness. Um, But I I think, and this has been a hard thing for me to learn um, as I've matured, I hate confrontation, but being direct isn't confrontational. Mm. Um, So I think approaching people with empathy, with kindness, I really believe that you never know what anyone's going through in their personal life. Um, So having some humanity But also, you know, we have, I hold myself to really high standards. I hold others to really high standards. And I feel like uh, being direct is, is important and helpful. So people know what's expected of them um, and what's, what good looks like. Um, I'm laughing because (laughs) I met somebody for the first time when I went over to the UK and she's like, you're the smiling assassin. (laughs) She's like, you come in and you're all smiles. She's like, and then you go into business mode. And you're like, let's get this done. So, and and that's the GSD popping in, right? But we have to get stuff done. Yeah. Yeah. And but Jen, here's the thing I, I need to know is like, I love this notion of kindness wins, right? And and you know, Maggie Sunnywake was a big advocate of of kindness too, but you grew up in a business, right? Like journalism and news is not known for being kind, right? And, and you know, in all of the newsrooms that I've been in, right? Like, even though they're part of big corporations, like it's probably oftentimes the least friendly or, you know, 
the most egregious behavior still kind of seems to occur there. And I'm sure we all read the trades and watch Apple TV shows that are fictionalized about real life life things. How have you kind of worked in sort of this new space when it feels like that's not rewarded? It's a great question. And I think one of the things that I had to, it took me a while to accept about myself is, is this is my personality. I do really live by trying, trying, not always to start from kindness. And I you know one of the things that Maggie also said uh, that I love, she says, make sure everyone around you gets an A, um, <laughs> which I think is really important. Yeah. Um, it doesn't mean that I don't have the skeptical qualities of the journalist, which, which is true. And there are some, it, and it doesn't mean that I don't work super hard and sometimes maybe a little bit too hard. Uh, cause I think my work is also my hobby. <laughs> um, but I think in terms of, and the kindness and, and it comes back to also bringing your authentic self, I think to work is I'm a person who likes to laugh. I'm a person who likes to have a good time whenever it's appropriate. Um, I was actually told early in my career, I was doing a presentation and I think I was using like this trope of like how we're going to turn today digital from animal house into like this manicured mansion. And I did this whole story throughout like the slides and the management team at the time said that was, they were so engaged. They were laughing. They got it. They were like, that's great. They go. And just so you know, if you ever want to go higher in your career, you can never do that. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Like, I have to be this serious version of Jen Brown. And I just realized over time that doesn't work for me. (laughs) It's not as effective. This is who I am. And I can be, um, this, this violent assassin can exist and still have fun while getting stuff done. Yeah. And so talk to me a little bit about that. I mean, that's interesting, right? Like to get direct feedback, like, oh, we love that, but you'll never get ahead uh, if 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 you do that. And I'm sure everyone's had some of those, those experiences. I know part of having a, a unique brand and a unique kind of persona means like we're not everyone's cup of tea, right? So how have you managed some of those situations where other people didn't kind of mesh with that brand for you? There's, there's definitely some amount of adjusting to the person you're working with. Yeah. Um, and I loved some of the things we did. I think it was, a, I can't remember if it was the talent lab or before at MSNBC.com, but when they kind of teach you about like your color wheel personalities. Oh, the disc I, style, our favorite uh, disc. Jason, I am an orange. I am 50% yellow, 50% red, and I am <laughs> no blue and green. So like it was one of those things where I realized if I need to motivate the blue and green people, I have to work against my nature (laughs) to play to them. Um, So there's definitely some amount of, um, uh, you know, adjusting to other people. But I also think there's so many things are about human relationships. And it's been so interesting coming into a new organization after so long who don't have 16 years of knowing that Jen Brown comes from a good place. Like, who is Jen Brown coming into the BBC And it's been so wonderful to take time with people, um, to have conversations both professionally and personally, where you're just building a trust and you just know like this person's coming from a good place. Yeah. Um, 
so I, I, I do like to try to win people over. Sometimes I take it as a challenge to see if I can get someone to smile during a meeting. Uh, and I'm not always successful, but I would say nine times out of 10. <laughs> we should not at some point. And so t- t- talk to us a little bit too about, you know, when you go to a new organization, right? And that's a new experience for you after many, many years. Like what if some of the things that you've, really intentionally and thoughtfully done to sort of show up and be a known entity that people trust and and know your expertise? This is actually really important to me because I had been in one company for so long that yeah. I've seen the new people come in from the other side, right? I have more experience with new people coming in. And one of the things that really bothered me about some people who came in you kind of look at the ones who were successful and the ones who weren't and the ones who came in and really just took it upon themselves to talk about everything that was wrong and everything that wasn't working the way it should and people being stupid or, you know, just terrible kind of comments about people and having been on that end, people are brilliant. Right. And there's usually a reason (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there's other factors about why people are behaving where they, why they are. Either they've been given directive about one thing or there's technical limitations to what they're doing or no one's funded the things that they, they knew were priorities. Yeah. So I think really coming in from that perspective of understanding why people are doing what they're doing, even if you think it should be different. And also from the place that, you know, this or you're at an organization that you joined because they hired really smart people. Yeah. So just making sure that you're taking advantage of that and explaining that, like, I'm not in, coming in here to tell you what's wrong. I'm here to work together to figure out like how we can work towards success together. Yeah. So I love that that's like your curiosity all wrapped in there too, right? Like, wh- wh- why are things happening this way, and and why exactly. are why, you know why 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 do people behave a certain way? Now, Jen, you have worked on all of these iconic brands, right? And you're sort of at the intersection of of storytelling and the commercial part of brands. What are some things that you have done at brands to help you know build these brands that you think? wow, that could be used by anyone to help build their own brand in their career. Um, going back to that whiteboard, <laughs> that got me my first general manager job. It's one of those things where in 2023, it, it's kind of a no-brainer. But in 2009, whenever that was, um, I, I just felt so strongly that Today's Show wasn't a show right? Mm. Like today's show was a brand and today's show as a brand looks a little bit different on Facebook than it does on Instagram, than it does as an all day streaming channel, as it does as a um, linear TV, morning TV show. But it's taking that brand out of the thing that it started as and really understanding that. I think people are the same, right? Like Jen Brown and you know, I, (laughs) it's kind of funny. And, and, uh, one of those things in retrospect, you know, I was a swimmer growing up and I swam in college and I D3 college, like amazing <laughs> Emory university Eagles had their first swimmer in the Olympics last year. Um, so great, great team, but still D3 and not as good as it was when I was there. But it was so weird that like when I stopped swimming at 20, I had like this identity crisis and it's like, if Jen Brown is not a swimmer, who is she? Like mm. Jen Brown's a lot of things like Jen Brown, 
uh, you know, and Jen Brown's a little bit different at today than she is at Peacock, than she is at BBC, that she is at the playground with the kids or the pickup line at school. But those things that you essentially are, 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 are your brand that you can apply to different areas of life based on um, the audience and the opportunity. Yeah. And so I love that you kind of talk about like, you know, you can show up as a mom or you can show up as an executive or you can show up at, at, uh, at different types of companies. It's still you, but you present in, in uh, a little bit of a different way. So even just kind of going back to that Today Show example, like for you, when you really looked at Today Show, not just being a linear show, but a brand, like what was what was sort of the DNA of that? And then how did you help, help that show up differently on different platforms? That's a great question. And I think the other part of um, that question is how do you go from having this idea to activating that idea? Yeah. And this has been a commonality in my career, which is I, my goal is to get people to do things when they don't report to me and have any reason to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so, and, and I think that has really served me and that you have to win people on your rationale and like help them understand why it's an opportunity and data and numbers are really like a powerful tool. And yeah. I also think recognition is a pow- powerful tool. One thing we did um, at today, as, just as an example, was we were, we were um, NBC fully acquired msnbc.com and Today Digital, which meant that our um, <laughs> huge traffic source that was MSN, which was huge at the time, it just, yeah. we barely had to try for traffic. Exactly. To us was unplugging. So we knew that we had to find another source. And at the time it was Facebook. So we were really optimizing our programming for Facebook. And we challenged the entire staff, which the majority of the staff was linear, um, to help us find stories that really worked on Facebook. And every week we sent out, these are the goals. These are the things that did the best. These are the people who were the most successful to it. We CC'd all the executives. So people knew that you know, Jim Bell and Alex Wallace and Steve Kappas were getting that information and giving them positive feedback from it. We also gave candy to the winners, which was weirdly motivating. <laughs> <laughs> it's surprising what adults do for like candy and it food, right? It is amazing, right? right? It wasn't even like wine. It was just candy. <laughs> uh, but it got, it was so interesting because it went from us really trying to have to pull people along to people stopping in my office and being like, are you going to put me in the note this week? Like, how can I contribute? And just really, um, you know, getting that momentum going and getting people excited about the work themselves. Yeah. Well, and I guess that brings back to that advice that you got about making sure that everyone gets an A plus, right? Like, how do you how do you help everyone around you be, you know, a superstar? I also really believe in giving people credit. Um, for their ideas. Uh, I I speak maybe the least in our all-hands meetings at BBC because I want the person who's working on the YouTube strategy to talk about what they're doing. You know, I want the person who's coordinating coverage for the coronation to talk about what they're doing. I might have kind of like sent them in that direction, but they're doing the work and they should get the credit and the visibility 
um, in the places where it makes sense. Yeah. Now, I have to ask you this uh, interesting question. It's a cross-cultural question, right? So now you're now you're working for a British organization, right, as an American. And so what are some of the things that you've had to shift or maybe do differently when you're, you know, you're you're working for a British company and you're going to London, right? And we know I love going to the UK, but it's a little bit of a different culture than US, especially business culture, right? A hundred percent. And it's been working on a global product is, is another great opportunity to learn. The funniest thing to me is I have to adjust my email punctuation. (laughs) 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 I've, like at NBC News Universal, if somebody sent me an email and it didn't have an exclamation point, I thought they were yelling at me. <laughs> like, how? Like, come on, give me an exclamation point in there somewhere. We're excited. We're enthusiastic. I feel like that doesn't translate in other cultures. So just sometimes temper before people know you. Um, I have to kind of pull back on my jokiness or my like American enthusiasm. <laughs> um, but that's only until they get to know me, and then I, I can bring back a little bit more of, of my personality. <laughs> I love that. Well, Jen, I know we could talk all day, but I have some fun questions to close us Ooh. out. Are you ready? Uh-oh. So, we so. we were we've been talking all about your brand. Um, what is your favorite brand as a consumer? What can't you live without? I don't know what people will think about this, but I love a little <laughs> bit of it. Like I love I love a challenger brand. Um, I can't live without my Peloton. I'm still such a fan. I'm still rooting for Peloton. Um, I feel like they've got me. <laughs> and and why do you why why do you love Peloton? It just makes my life it so much uh, easier. And for me, especially during the pandemic, and now that we have more flexibility at home, it's like. A meeting cancels, I'm on the Peloton. You know what I mean? My kids' kids bus is delayed, I'm on the Peloton. It just makes things so easy. And I love the personalities. I love that it gives me variety. Um, I'm there for them. (laughs) Ooh, I love Peloton. Now, if Jen Brown was a type of car, what type of car would you be? You know, Jason, I think I'd be like a Jeep Wrangler. Like Ooh, on the beach. Because yeah. I'm a Jeep Wrangler too. You know, I've oh my only, gosh. <laughs> so I've only driven Jeep Wranglers for the past 25 years. Isn't that crazy? Oh, I mean, still my dream car. I feel like now that I have the kids, I'm just waiting for them to get out of the house so I can go back to my Jeep <laughs> Wrangler. Sure. You're like, graduate high school so I can get a Jeep. Yes. But why? So why are you like this Jeep Wrangler, especially a Jeep Wrangler out on the beach? Uh, I'm a Jersey Shore girl, but what was interesting <laughs> is when I went to college, everyone thought I was from California. Um, it just, it's like not a fussy car. It's like very open. I feel like I would drive it to the beach and it just, you know, it gets the job done and it's fun. <laughs> yeah. So it's a little GSD and A little fun. GSD. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and finally, Jen, what's the best career advice that you'd like to pass on to our listeners? Mm. I I like the I like the be curious, be kind, get stuff done. Um, I think that's super important. I think there is there's a um, interesting skill set that goes between um, strategy and decking and actually doing the work. And if you can mm. straddle both, that's really powerful. Um, I also you know love the idea of just kindness wins and make sure everyone around you gets an A. Um, I enjoy life better as a team player than as an individual contributor. 
Um, and I love when, the, when the team is winning is when I'm personally having the most fun. And I think everyone else around us is having the most fun. Yay. Well, Jen, it was so great reconnecting with you because it's always fun uh, and you are always fabulously kind. So thank you for being on the show. And where can folks uh, find uh, all the great stuff about BBC and the content that you're doing? BBC.com. That's where it all is. Yay. Well, Jen Brown, thank you for being on the show. Thank you, Jason. And we'll be back in just a few moments with my final thoughts. Are you tired of not being recognized for your work? Are you ready to rise above the rest and accelerate to the next level? The Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program will help you take control of your career, develop your own unique brand, and catapult you to a whole new level of success. You are a top performer, and the Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program is what you need to get you there. Visit leadwithyourbrand.com to learn how. Wow, I just loved reconnecting with Jen Brown, the SVP of Programming and Content Strategy, Global Digital News and Streaming over at the BBC Studios. You know, Jen has so much amazing career advice, and I love how she's built her brand all about looking at ways that she can bring people together to solve problems. And you know what really stood out to me was this whole notion that we talk about all of the time, which is you've got to find a hole and fill it. You know that's always my best career advice. You've got to look out and say, hey, what are the potholes in the road that if I fill, they can make a difference for people. They can add value. And those might even be potholes that people don't even see. But once you fill them, they know that it's not just a smoother ride. It's a pivot that's allowing you to grow. You know, I love that Jen, and I've seen this in action because I've known her for so long, she's looked out and actually had jobs created for her because she could build that case that there was a need and she could fill that not only with her passion, but also her skill set, right? At the end of the day, it's how you bring your strengths, your talents, your skills together with your passion. But remember, it's always got to solve for that business or that market need. Well, that's our show for you today. If you loved what you heard, make sure you are following us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll deliver a brand new show every single week. Now, check me out on social media. I'm at Jason Patria on all platforms, and connect with me on LinkedIn. I love to answer questions, and if you've got a question, it might just show up on one of our future shows. Now, most of all, and most importantly of all, in your your career, don't be a boring old commodity like coffee. Make sure you are a super premium brand like Starbucks. You've been listening to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores and uncovers exceptional career success stories and inspiring personal brand journeys with your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Remember to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us at leadwithyourbrand.com.